Welcome to Peace Lab Podcast. Each week, we will explore how we can create more well-being and positive changes through ancient wisdom and contemporary science. We will also share the unique stories of individuals who are already doing so to create more peace and joy for themselves and also for others. I am your host, Elva Zhang. So now let's begin. Happy 2021 and welcome to the first Peace Lab conversation for the new year. Today I have the pleasure of speaking to Dave Berman, an original New Yorker. Dave's career spans from a radio DJ, an entrepreneur, and in the past 10 years, since 2010, Dave has become a successful hypnotherapist and a laughter coach. He was able to create something new by combining these two very different but also similar techniques, laugh noses. So today Dave will share his own journey and story with us, especially how he utilized these skills and navigates through 2020 and to help others but also for himself to transform last year to actually become one of the most creative and the fertile years for himself. So let's have a listen. Hi everyone, welcome to the first Peace Lab conversation for the new year 2021. And I am still your host, Elva Zhang, and have uh, with me today, we have Mr. Dave Berman. It sounds so strange when I call you Mr. Dave Berman. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm well. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast, Elva. Yeah, you're welcome. It's with the greatest pleasure to have you as a guest. And I'm sure the listeners will be wondering already, you know, hearing your accent, knowing that you're definitely not from Australia. <laughs> no, I'm originally from the US. At this time, I've been in Australia for just under a year and hopefully I'll be staying longer. So you survived 2020, the year of pandemic in Australia. That's right. Right. I think we should leave this story for a little bit and they will come back shortly. Just because with each episode, um, a lot of listeners would know that we start with the session or the podcast with a mini meditation. The idea is very simple because we're living a very busy world. And especially, you know, since last year, everyone's living kind of a daily stress dealing with COVID for many people around the world. So we wanted to invite everyone just to ground the energy and before we start the podcast, but for you and me, Dave, just to set an intention and to see if there's any words popped up, you know, or in your mind. But if you don't, that's okay. I normally have one in my head anyway. <laughs> So um, I know you already are meditating in any event. So it's very simple. Just close your eyes. And if you're sitting on the chair and the listeners, if you're sitting, and just make sure your spine is straight. And with your eyes closed, nothing too much, merely focusing on our own breathing. How we are breathing right now in this moment. Don't try to exert any pressure on your body. You might wish to put a one hand over your abdomen or your belly so you can actually feel this gentle movement 
of your body rising up and down as we breathe. In and out. In and out. The shoulders coming up and down. Your chest is expanding and contracting. Your belly rises and folds. And in this synchronized movement, we're taking in fresh air, letting go the stale air. And as we begin our new year in 2021, just use this little moment, ask ourselves, what am I willing to breathing out, to exhale, to letting go from last year, from our body, our mind, our thoughts or even feelings and emotions. And as we start our journey again for this new year, ask ourselves, what am I, what are we willing to receive, to inhale, to breathe in and to allow in this year of 2021. Maybe more vitality into our physical body or maybe a new perception of ourselves, of others, of the world or maybe a new renewed sense of emotions or feelings. It always reminded me the ancient Eastern philosophy of change. How life is forever changing. It's the very nature of life and the nature itself. So the best way to deal with change is by observing the nature. Nature does not resist change allow you and more so thrive in the change. But for us humans, it might be slightly more challenging, yet it is an important reminder, especially when we're at start of another year, another page being turned, to remind ourselves of that, 
maybe I needed to hear that more than you. So I'm just saying out loud so my ears can hear the words. My brain, my mind can absorb them. And lastly, I invite Dave and myself to set an intention for our conversation today. Whatever words may pop in your mind. And for me, it's the beginner's mind. Breathing and out. In and out. In and out. And when we are ready, when you are ready, you can gently open your eyes and let's start the podcast. Hello again, Dave. Hi, Elva. That was lovely. Thank you. And um, I felt so I am going to listen with a beginner's mind today with you. That was the word Cam popped in straight away, like sharp. Beginner's mind is my theme, my offering to you today. Now, I actually haven't introduced you properly apart from your name. And I think it might be better for you um, to introduce, say, you know, what do you do or what is the title? I always found actually very, um, can be hard sometimes to summarize them somewhere else in a few short words. So I may just pass that honor to you then. <laughs> okay. Uh, sometimes it's difficult for me to find exact words and I might say different things to different people depending on the situation and the context in which we're meeting. But in the most general sense, I'm a hypnotherapist and a laughter coach. Right. Yeah. And, you know, my unique exploration of both laughter and hypnosis and coaching and spirituality, the way it all blends together. I think that's what makes my existence and my sort of value to clients and to the world at large unique. Mm. I think that takes me, the first question came into my mind is, so everyone has a story and I'm just curious, how do you become Dave hypnosis you know the hypnotherapist and the laughter coach who you are now today you know <laughs> what takes you you know I'm sure you were not born on the day one you know to do what you were doing but there must be a story there must be a path led onto this path now and also you know how you end up in Australia you know especially in you know in 2020 when the world did you have this vision that the world is going to stop traveling so i better go somewhere <laughs> so share with us you know your personal journey you know professionally personally too that has led you to where you are now today and who you are today 
All right. Well, I think that's probably the whole hour right there. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but I'll, I'll sketch it briefly and then you can ask for more details about whatever you like. Perfect. Yeah. In, in the fall of 2010, I started training to be a coach and a hypnotherapist. And at the same time, not professionally, but just as a personal hobby and form of exercise, I started attending a weekly laughter yoga club. This was in Northern California. And over the next couple of years, as my training continued in coaching and hypnotherapy, and as my practice grew as a professional, and I continued exploring laughter on the side, mm. It very quickly went beyond the weekly laughter yoga club. I mean, very quickly, I became a daily laugher. Mm. And that, that phrase later took on more significance. But what I mean at this point in the story is that I started to play around with laughter every day rather than just at the weekly club. And by playing around with it personally every day, I became convinced of the amazing experiences that laughter helps us realize and so mm. I brought it into my work mm. and I started exploring laughter with my coaching and hypnotherapy clients and it just continued to evolve and grow and I saw that one of the qualities of laughter is that it is hypnotic mm. and so I, I began agree. to I began to innovate in the way that I supported clients. And all of my work since then has in some way or other tied back to that. And it's led to several books. It's led to world travel. It led to a daily video series that ran for nearly three and a half years. And that's the high level overview of my story. I'm curious because you start a conversation about the year 2010, right? That's more than 10 years ago now. What is significant? Because it sounds like this, that was a chapter of the journey started. What triggered you to explore like hypnotherapy and later on led you to laughter? And what happened before 2010? Because were you were born or grew up in California or not? Uh, I grew up in New York and oh. then I, I moved to California in the fall of 99. So right. there's, another, there's another 10 year period. And I think, <laughs> I think it's astute to look at my life in 10 year segments because I've noticed that. Yeah, there's been some significance to that amount of time passed. Mm. And so I think again, now 2020 COVID, but more moving into this new year and the new things that are evolving for me. I, I think once again, the, the 10 year mark is pivotal. Yeah. So you moved from New York. I always fancy to be a New Yorker. Why did you even leave New York? <laughs> half, I'm half joking. I love California too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in a lot of places, Elva. Um, you know, I, I grew up outside New York City in a suburb uh, of Long Island. And then I went to Cornell University, which is, you know, nearly, I think nearly 300 miles wow. away to the Northwest of where mm. I grew up. 
And so this is upstate New York, much, much smaller population, rural. Um, you know, I, I went to school at this major university in a small town. After I graduated, I worked in some other parts of upstate New York as a radio DJ. Oh, wow. So in the past life, you were a radio DJ. <laughs> past life, yes. <laughs> in the same lifetime. That's yes. interesting, um, Dave. Yeah, continue. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I had this career in radio and uh, in fall 99, I kind of stepped away from that and I moved yeah. out to California and started the next chapter. And this was the end of an era. It was nearing the end of a time in the U.S. referred to as the dot-com bubble. And so I worked for a few tech startups and then wound up getting married and starting a company with my then wife, I'm now divorced, but she and I built a, a manufacturing company and knew that it would be more affordable to have a big factory and pay people a living wage if we moved from the San Francisco area further north into a small mm -hmm. area called Humboldt County. And so we uh, we were living in Eureka there and we built our factory in Arcata and we worked together and grew this business and then we split up. We kept working together for another couple of years and then I sold her my half of the company and was ready to move on to the next chapter in my life, which is a new career in coaching and hypnotherapy. Oh, so that was 2010 around that mark. That was yeah, we we started the hair company in 2002. She still owns it as far as I know. We haven't talked in many years. Um, I got out of that business in um, the beginning of 2009 and I took some yeah. time to kind of discover what I wanted to do next. Mm. My, my very first time attending a laughter yoga session was actually in 2009. It was just a right. one-time thing while I was traveling um, and then in 2010, I discovered that it was being offered in my community and there was a weekly club and I got, you know, heavily involved and eventually trained to be a laughter yoga leader. And, and then a few years later, a laughter yoga teacher and uh, so much more of what I've learned from laughter has come from what I've done independent of laughter yoga. I don't practice or teach laughter yoga anymore because my own exploration has taken me a lot deeper than, mm. than I think the traditions and culture and techniques of laughter yoga. Mm. So that's part of my origin story. And now it's off in a whole other direction. Yeah, that's wonderful because um, I want to just quickly summarize just something very funny. Why are you talking about your first phase? And I was thinking about Fraser because you talked about radio and DJ. I don't know. I was watching Fraser last week when he was speaking. I just imagined Dave, you know, being the Fraser Dave, you know. And <laughs> then when you move on to the next chapter, it's almost like an entrepreneurial, you know, a very business, you know, a very different version of yourself again, transforming. And then now, you know, or at least from 2010, when you started um, your a new chapter of your career or your work is again going to a completely different direction. I think I can imagine it's like you're constantly self-transforming. 
you're always changing, adapting to that. It could be one of your, you know, key strength in your life skills. And I'm sure your um, clients and others working with you would have benefited a lot from that because I personally found dealing with change is so important, especially from, you know, since last year, which we all touch upon as well. And then I wanted to clarify something you made quite poignantly, the difference between laughter and the laughter yoga. And I remember I met you several years ago now when you were traveling on the world tour for your laughter gnosis. Is that correct? Laugh gnosis. Laugh gnosis. So (laughs) that I would imagine, let me have a guess. So that's a combo between laughter plus hypnosis. Is that right? That is right. And so that, yeah, that was six, four years ago now, Dave? Yes, yeah, 2017, okay. I, I uh, left the U.S. for the first time, and I traveled around teaching this training program that I co-created with another hypnotherapist who had gotten interested in and, and started exploring laughter because of a talk that I gave. It wasn't just a talk. I mean, we did a laughter session, too. A presentation that I gave at a major hypnosis conference in Las Vegas in 2014. So, you know, about four years into my, a little less really, uh, into my practice, my professional business as a hypnotherapist and a coach, I went to this major industry conference and I shared about how I was exploring this combination of laughter and hypnosis. I had already gotten enough experience to put myself out there to share with my colleagues about this. And several amazing things emerged as a result of that presentation. One was Kelly Woods, a hypnotherapist approached me about collaborating on a book, which we then wrote in 2015. And that was called Laughter for the Health of It. Another thing that came from that conference in Las Vegas in 2014 was James Hazelrig, who was already a very close colleague of mine. We'd been through a year of hypnosis school together, and he got turned on to laughter yoga as a result of that. And he started exploring in his practice with laughter and hypnosis. And he and I used to talk very often then comparing notes about what we were discovering through the combination of the two. And so he wrote a book called The Little Book of Laugh Gnosis, and I contributed the forward to that. And then we created the training program together, which was actually a wonderful suggestion from Merv Neal, who's based here in Melbourne. And, you know, Merv, Merv gave me the idea to take that train to create the training and then take it around the world. And so that was what afforded me the luxury to meet you. The yeah, first time four years I remembered. And I, I have to, I mean, at the time, I didn't know much about hypnosis. I had the joy of experiencing many years ago out of pure um, curiosity and what took me by surprise is I think I thought hypnosis is like the tv you have a watch right in front of your eyes you fell asleep you start talking and when I experienced hypnosis maybe now 15 years ago um, more experimentally and I realized it was purely going to a very um, peaceful mind state almost like in a very deep trance meditation I was fully awake but when I was um, in this very kind of a 
peaceful conversation with a therapist, I felt it was in my conscious mind. He was asking me a question. I respond. It came very naturally. So all I could recall when I was meeting you, I remember we had discussions about hypnosis, love, meditation. I felt it was just a very deep, also very light state of meditative state. And um, now, you know, currently I'm undertaking a master in applied neuroscience with King's College London. And to study the mind and the brain, I felt I'm curious, you know, and of course, you, know, you would be the expert to provide insight on that one. I felt hypnosis in terms of state of mind, possibly the brainwave is around in a theta brainwave around that period of time, the brain's very, it's just before we're falling asleep, like kind of in that in-between zone, your body is relaxed, but then at the same time, the mind, you know, your conscious thoughts are not like the monkey mind chatting. It's just a very, I feel it's like a peaceful lake. That's how I felt. And another thing I felt personally, not professionally, is when I do laughter yoga, then when we lie down and to experience the laughter meditation, then after the laughter meditation, after laughing, when we guide our participants through a meditation, they always felt a very hypnotic state after that physical um, kind of a laughter exercise. Would you share that view as well? Yes, completely. Laughter and meditation are very closely related. Mm. There's a, a book that I was required to read in hypnosis school, you know, eight, nine years ago, whenever that was, um, by Michael Diaco. He's a, he's a uh, PhD who's done a lot of research and written many books on hypnosis. And this one is called um, Mindfulness and Hypnosis, actually. And he draws a lot of parallels between the experiences of the two, as well as between the language used in facilitating the two. And he also points out some differences as well, but definitely laughter and meditation, sorry, uh, hypnosis and meditation uh, are, are related. And then in my experience, what I found was that laughter is hypnotic as well. So when we spend time just laughing and letting go of the focus on or the perceived need for anything external to stimulate the laughter. In laughter yoga, we talk about practicing intentional laughter or unconditional mm. laughter, where it's not based upon external conditions. It's something that we're generating from within ourselves. Yeah. And this correlates well to concepts of hypnosis where we're guiding people to selectively focus their attention inward. In other words, allowing external focus to fade and internal focus to expand and emerge. And so what's already there becomes easier to access or to notice. Mm. This, is, this is so much of what has emerged for me as my experience with laughter has gone deeper and deeper, especially beyond laughter yoga. Mm. So nowadays, my experience with laughter and the kinds of sessions that I facilitate every day they're called laughter gym and we do not use laughter yoga exercises. We begin with the premise 
that laughter is the sound of joyful breathing. And so mm -hmm. we can just take a deep breath in. <sighs> and the breath and the sound that we have in unlimited supply, always have, always will. This is where the laughter comes from. That's and, beautiful. And when we look within for everything that we need, mm. everything that we need, we find we get what we need when we need it. Mm. And so one of the sayings that I've created over the years, and there's many of these, uh, I like to say that laughter shines your inner light on gifts you've always had, but don't always see. That's very profound. And I really like how you described just before about the unconditional nature of laughter. And when we really in line, aligned our body, mind, you know, with the laughter, that moment, it's very, um, I, when I'm in that state, I felt, you know, I'm just letting go completely and you don't need anything external. And as you said before, you know, everything within that become more pronounced more observable and that light being shined upon all the gifts. And I think for me, that's how I felt about the essence of hypnosis as well. So hypnosis in a way is because all the insights I remember vaguely, you know, from my very brief encounter or only encounter of hypnotherapists, the, the session I had was the world phased away. All the answers, you know, the therapist asking me, I did not even know it was there buried underneath my normal psyche. It could be somewhere subconscious, but maybe even like unconscious part of my brain or the mind. But somehow when you were explaining it so eloquently before, that's what laughter does to me as well when I'm in a very deep state. And I think here we, we need to, of course, caveat that to the listeners, especially for those having you know, experienced laughter session, there's different levels, you know. Sometimes people, when they first go to a laughter session, if your mind, your body is not aligned, you will feel uncomfortable. But if you start practicing, you know, laughter as a seasoned practitioner like you and me, when you do get into that sweet spot, it is that spot of completely letting go the external world just phasing away. It is also that experience in a very deep meditation. So I think these three, they are linked somehow in different aspects. Yeah. Well, what happens in the laughter gym is mm. we just sit and laugh. Mm. We, we're learning to look inside to the breath and sound and that's it. And after 15 minutes of laughing in this way, we're all essentially hypnotized <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And, then, and then we have a conversation every session we laugh for 15 minutes and then we talk together as a group and the jumping off point for the conversation is always the same the conversations are always different but the conversation premise is mm. always what did you notice Mm. What did laughter bring to your awareness? Yeah. What is new and different that you could perceive in your mind, your body, your thoughts, your senses? And you spoke to this a little bit in the meditation that opened this podcast. You talked about setting an intention for mm. perception of ourselves in a new way. And that's exactly what Laughter Gym is about day yeah. in and day out. And 
the conversations that we have as a group are so rich and insightful. People discovering new things about themselves, realizing things that you might hear someone else say, you might read in a book, but that's a different kind of learning. Yeah. There's, there's intellectual knowledge, which is what we can convey here in a conversation on a podcast. And then there's embodied understanding. Embodiment is the word. Yeah, which is what you develop from doing. Mm. And then there's an even deeper layer that's beyond doing. And this is, this is the realm that we're playing in, in the laughter gym. And what's beyond doing is being. So we're not there to do laughter gym. Like people go to a laughter yoga session to do laughter yoga. We're there to just be in the laughter gym. And it's like spirit laughs us. The universe laughs us. There's, there's less of a, tendency to kind of associate with ego with I and mm. me and so that's part of what gets stripped away or just just sort of falls away there's no stripping involved it's not mm. that there's not an active action or doing of yep. stripping away peeling onion layers it's just naturally come off well the word I would use is subtractive subtractive okay and i choose that word here in this context because all all of my work and this this comes to a really key pivotal point in my story the way that i saw laughnosis was there's this really long set of parallels between hypnosis and laughter. And I was discovering them and exploring them and writing about them and making videos about them for several years. And then I was also studying something that over the years has gone by a few names. Originally, it was called the three principles as articulated by Sidney Banks. And then it became known a little bit more colloquially as the inside out understanding, which of course, laughing on purpose, intentional laughter, unconditional laughter, another way to say it is inside out laughter. And now another phrase that's come along to describe this inside out understanding or the three principles is subtractive psychology. And what we mean by subtractive is that we don't have to do anything. There's no techniques involved. It's about understanding what's already true in our experience of life as one spiritual being having billions of human experiences. What's already true that we sometimes see clearly, but sometimes don't. And that doesn't change the truth of how how it is and how we, how we work, how our being exists. Just because we can sometimes see it clearly and sometimes don't, that doesn't change our nature. So the laughter gym sessions are an opportunity for us to just be 
with our nature and our nature is to be peaceful and calm mm -hmm. and happy and aware of this sense of connection that we are all part of one the, and this oneness comes to our awareness much more when we can just allow all the external uh, just all the external mm, period, to, mm. to, to subtract itself it's not a doing it's a being it's a and, state of being and then that's at a very different level as you were explaining yeah I just see being the state of being, you don't have to do things like, it reminds me of the concept of non-doing mm -hmm. from the Taoism. They talk about doing, non-doing. As humans, we're so conditioned to always do things, you know, but actually, as you were just explaining here, in a way, the higher form of living a human life is actually, can we cultivate a state of being? That being is actually from an inner state of joy, peace, at ease, and more importantly, you know, is that state of accepting, accepting all sorts of emotions, all sorts of events, but then because with the inner anchor is already there. So that drive to counseling, doing and controlling is less pronounced, but focus on that inner anchor, which is here within inside out. Yes. And that's something that we can say we can mm. articulate and mm. share our intellectual knowledge of and yet we get caught up in the outside world oh, in, in events, right and so we sometimes don't see clearly these things that we are so eloquently describing <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not true it means we all go in and out of, of course of clearly seeing how things are and not clearly seeing how things are. Now, on that point, it's a great transition point for me to, um, to asking you, how did you handle 2020? Because you mentioned about how we are in and out. And the 2020 will be the greatest test for us to apply those wisdom and the insight, rather intellectual understanding, because that's a true embodiment. I'm curious now about how did you navigate through your 2020? Well, I spent a lot, excuse me, I spent a lot of time by myself, of course, and I found it very helpful to sort of feed and support and nourish my awareness of oneness, in other words, to have simultaneously both awareness of the fact of connection mm. and the experience of connection. This is often where this seeing it and not seeing it comes in. When we feel lonely, when we feel isolated, when we feel maybe put off by someone who has broken up with us or being mm -hmm. fired from a job. Like these are external circumstances and they're, they're real and they have implications for us. I can no longer wake up and go to that place where I used to go to earn my paycheck. Or now when I come home, I have to sleep in an empty bed instead of with my partner, right? These things, they are real and yet 
they do not change the fact of connection. They, they don't alter the, the nature of oneness. Mm. They just sometimes sort of create the illusion of separation. Mm. So we, we, we might experience a fluctuation in awareness of the experience of connection separate from the fact of connection. And so this is what I mean by seeing it and not seeing it. And we all go back and forth all the time about this example and many, many others. And so Laughter Gym is our space where we're just being with the breath and sound and looking within as the source of everything and then talking about the experience. And there's so much light being shined from within that we see more and more of what's always there to be seen. Even though we know we won't always see it, we know it's there to be seen. And that is so empowering. So in last year, 2020, um, in the whole process pandemic, um, I guess for me, the darkness I would call now reflecting upon is for me, it's actually that emotion of feeling uncertain all the time. So it's, it's almost like, can I see it? It's not even like a sentence, but it's like I'm asking myself, can I see it? I can't see it. The virus come and goes. But as a result of that, you know, it impacts, affects the fabric of our social construct, society and the rules and how we work, you know. Um, when I was navigating through 2020 and the greatest lesson I learned is how to deal with that sense of uncertainty. It almost incapacitated me to my ability to see or not to see. What's your view on that? That's a great question. And it does tie into part of the story you asked me to speak to, which is how I wound up in Australia and also how did I kind of navigate my experience with Melbourne's two lockdowns and just overall the, the changes of, of COVID. So let me kind of address all of that in, in responding to your question. You know, I, I came here for a relationship that didn't work out and I almost ended up leaving Australia and going back to the US when my first visa was expiring, but I didn't want to do that. I got caught up in the external events and it was interfering with my clarity, my ability to see clearly what's already always true. And it really came down to the wire um, in terms of timing and needing to leave the US. And finally, I kind of came to my senses and I applied for a new visa and I got permission to stay here in Australia longer. And around that same time, something really dropped in for me that speaks directly to your question. None of us has the ability to predict the future. Not you, nor I, nor any of our ancestors. It's just never been a human trait to be able to predict the future. However, it's very human to overestimate our ability to do that. 
<laughs> so when we perceive an increase in uncertainty, like, you know, oh my God, no more international travel or, oh my God, I can't even go beyond five kilometers of my home because these are the local rules or any of the other major changes that got instituted as a result of COVID, we perceive an increase in uncertainty. But this is not really true. This is part of the illusion of ego that's saying, well, I used to think that I could depend on certain things. I used to think I could predict certain things in the future. But in reality, I've never had the ability to predict the future. Things are maybe more consequential. The choices that I make now could create bigger ripple effects than they might have before, but it's not really more or less uncertain. And when I saw that was around the same time that I decided to apply for a new visa and to stay here and to stay true to my ideals and my intentions. And this was also around the time that Laughter Gym started. When I began it was just another way of creating the experience of connection, a way for me and for people all over the world who are aware of my work with laughter. And then even beyond that, more people who could first get introduced to laughter to have a place to come together and have the experience of connection, to raise their awareness of the fact of connection, our oneness. And so I started hosting Laughter Gym twice every day for free, just to give people a space to come and experience being laughter and experience the oneness connection. And over time, I began introducing more related programs to Laughter Gym. And so for me, overall, on the whole, my time in 2020 was very fertile, creatively mm. and spiritually. Wow. And I think that's a, a very, to me, it's a very profound insight on 2020, but also how to deal with that sense of uncertainty, that accepting, going back to what you were saying, that connection with all things, that trusting of life itself. If I know our time is almost coming to an end, I could have gone, start, continue talking with you forever, <laughs> Dave. You know, you just have so much um, wisdom and insight and I can't wait to have you back again next year around the same time, because I think your ability of self-transforming is just tremendous. But if I can ask you one last question, if there's a one key takeaway message, what would that be, Dave? Laughter's been my greatest teacher. So I sometimes say I teach laughter and laughter teaches me. And if we spend time looking within for the source of everything and trust that we get what we need when we need it and that we just don't always see it. And like our tendency to get caught up taking things too seriously, that's uh, like, People 
people worry a lot, but you can never worry hard enough to solve anything, mm. right? If you're, if you're worried, I might tease you a little bit and say, well, worry harder, see if that helps. <laughs> That's a great humor. To, I'm going to use that right? actually. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it looks like worry is the body reminding you the universe is kidding and you've missed mm. the joke, right? Sometimes you can see that the universe is joking or that a friend or whoever is joking with you. And sometimes you don't. Mm. And this just occurs through all areas of our life. Sometimes we see it clearly and sometimes we don't. And laughter is an amazing way to get clear about these differences and to look to experience the experience of our entire lifetime mm. to recognize what's actually true as opposed to believing all the stories that get generated simply by thought. Thank you. That reminds me of life is a divine comedy. Mm. And the Plato actually wrote, um, life should be lived as if it's a play. So that part of worrying less, you know, we can't see, you know, it just, what if it's just the whole big play? So <laughs> I think, you know, we should leave 2021, having experienced 2020, maybe live 2021 as a divine comedy. <laughs> maybe we can't see the whole thing and maybe sometimes we can. <laughs> yeah. Dave, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and to be the first guest for the 2021. And um, I'm really grateful for that and I'm very honored to speak to you today. Thank you again, Alva, for uh, having me here. And, and just one last thing to mention that that creative uh, spiritual, you know, fertility that I experienced last year, it resulted in a new book called Laughter Lost and Found. So I wrote that during lockdown, where basically it was just me, my breath, and the people I was laughing with around the world on Zoom every day, and discovering you can both lose yourself and find yourself, yourself yeah. in laughter. Yeah, please do send me the link of the books you mentioned and the first one, also the one you just wrote in the year of your um, creative fertile land in Australia. Yeah. And so we can actually share more with others, okay? Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for thank coming on the show. Thank you again for tuning in and spending time with me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to tune in again next week. And if you do have any questions and comments, please feel free to leave a message. Take care and I'll catch you at the next Peace Lab podcast. <music>